0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. You may have seen the short video this week of a car that was racing through a residential neighborhood, it's a red Camaro. people's first reaction was they were startled because this individual was being so reckless. There were school kids in the area, in fact, the bus was going down that very street at that very moment, and this red Camaro was racing, was driving on the wrong side of the road, and they were sounding their horn, and in fact, they were they were literally flying by the school bus and one neighbor when asked said my first reaction was I was aghast that this individual would be so reckless until they found out why he was doing it. The school bus had stopped to let off a little five-year-old girl and she stepped off the bus and the doors closed and her backpack got caught in the doors and the bus was dragging her down the road. The guy in the red Camaro was doing what he had to do to get people's attention. I sense the Lord wanting to get our attention today. And so for the next few minutes, I want to ask you to be prayerfully Careful about not being distracted or being a distraction. Turn to the person next to you and say, Don't distract me. I may feel like to you, as I do my best to share the heart of God, like the guy in the red Camaro, but I can tell you it's for a purpose. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 3. The next few minutes I want to share with you about when will these things be. Now as he, he being Jesus, now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Father, I I thank you that your word is always true. It's always life. I'm so thankful, God, that you love us as your people. So God, I, I just ask you now to help me to unburden my heart with what you have burdened it with. Holy Spirit, you're the real preacher here. You're the real teacher. Would you guide us into all truth? I release you to do what you, you are here to do. And I thank you for that, Father. I bind everything that would hinder. I release you, Holy Spirit, to just have your way. name of Jesus we pray. Amen. On more than one occasion, Jesus has talked about the importance of knowing the season. We live in a, one of the things I do like about Ohio is we do have different seasons. It would probably get boring if we didn't have seasons. I don't know why they have to be so extreme, but we have them. And you and I know that we, we, are, we are servants to those seasons. You, you can fuss at the seasons all you want. You can disagree with them. But the reality is they're coming and you have to deal with them. You have to live within the season. If you are going out to your garden right now and wondering where your tomatoes are, there are no tomatoes in your garden because it's not the season. Now is not a time to go into your garden to harvest anything. Do not go into your garden in the middle of the summer and start to plant. It may be too late at that point. There is a system to this, and there is a season and a time to plant, and there's a time and a season to cultivate, and there's a time and a season to harvest that. Don't go plant your tomatoes in November. It's not going to work out well. So God tells us in Matthew 16, he says, Listen, you guys can look at this evening sky and and tell that it's going to be fair weather. I want you to have the same ability to look into the spiritual matters and understand what season you're in. At the end of this very chapter, the book of Matthew 24, Jesus says this. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and puts forth its leaves... You know that summer is near. So, you also, when you see these things, know that it is near at the door. If we in the church think that we can operate the same no matter what spiritual season we're in, we're missing something. If you and I think that we just, that Christianity is just to be lived like this no matter where you're at, you don't understand how God operates, what he what he expects out of you individually at different seasons in your life changes. But what he expects out of the body changes with the seasons. We cannot continue to operate today as if this was just any normal season that we're living in. We are living in a unique time in a unique time frame and. And I'm I'm burdened to share this with you this morning. The disciples asked Jesus three questions. Number one, when will these things be? Number two, what is the sign of your coming? And number three, what is the sign of the end? Jesus answered these three questions in the order they're asked, and he answers them all here in Matthew 24. He doesn't give us the full exposition. He gives us the summary of the events that are going to take place immediately before the rapture, immediately before the second coming of the, of Jesus Christ. Too many in the church have confused those two events. I don't know about you, but I am not standing here this morning looking for the second coming of Jesus. I'm looking for the rapture of the church. Those are not those two events are not synonymous. He's coming first to rapture or to catch away the saints of God. Then he will return at another point in time to reestablish his lordship over this earth. As a believer right here today, I have no intention of being here on that day. I know there are some who want to argue about whether Jesus is coming in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation, or the before the tribulation, the word of God cannot be more clear. God is a God of consistency and patterns. Before that he brought the flood on the earth, he took those people that were his, and he put them inside of the ark. He protected them, and then judgment came upon the earth. When he was ready to bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah, he took those people that are his, and he took them out of the way of that judgment, and then he brought judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. The end of times will be God bringing judgment on this planet for the sins of mankind. So he will follow the same pattern he has always followed. He will take his people out of the way, I don't need to be judged because I've already been judged and found guilty and he's already taken away my sins. There remains no more judgment for me or you as a believer. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. So we are facing a time when Jesus is going to, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, take the believers out of this earth And then the great tribulation period happens. So they're really asking three questions here. When are you coming back to get us? When are you coming back to judge the world? And how will we know? Jesus answered these questions in order. He begins to answer the first one in Matthew 24, verse 4. He's answering the question, when will these things be? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all of these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I'm just going to stop here for a moment. We're seeing that happen right now. We're seeing not only the tension between nations, but but on a higher level, there are kingdoms at war. If you think what is happening in our country is a disagreement about... Natural laws, you're missing it. The tensions in our country are not Muslim against Christian. They're not blacks against white. It's not women against men. These are kingdoms against kingdoms at war. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then... They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Many who? Many in the church. Many of us. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations... And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolations spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who was on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to his clothes, but Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until now, until this time, no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh. Would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. Can I tell you something? I'm going to stop for just a moment. Never, ever, ever follow signs. Never, ever, ever, ever chase after wonders, signs, and wonders. Chase after you. Never, ever, ever chase after somebody who's always pointing to their signs. Never, ever, ever chase after somebody who always makes show, sure you know the wonders that they're 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 committing. Always chase after the heart of God in a person. The outward is irrelevant. Some would say, I, I, I'm not following a man, I'm following a mantle. I'm following an anointing. And they forget that the, the mo- one of the most anointed creatures ever created was Lucifer himself, and he is still anointed. Anointed. He is still referred to in the word of God as the anointed cherub. And so if you follow an anointing, you can follow that anointing right out of the presence of God. Never follow an anointing. Follow the heart in a person. Listen for and look for the heart of God in that person. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the sun coming of the Son of Man be. At this point, he has finished answering the first question. When you see these things, he didn't put a date on it because the Bible says that no man, not even the Son of God, knows the day or the hour, so he can't tell you what time. But he says, but here's what it's going to look like. So he has now finished answering the first question. And next he's going to answer very quickly the next two questions. And then like any good teacher, he's going to go back and talk to them about the questions they should have and didn't ask. Now he asks, answers the second question. Immediately. See the change? Immediately after. After what? After the first question, And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. He's just finished answering both of the second questions. That is not the rapture of the church. That's the second coming. Those are not synonymous terms. Are you with me so far? Now he goes back and he says this. Now. Now what? Now that I've answered your questions, learn This Now learn this, the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away but of that day and hour no no one or uh, but of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven but my father only but as the days of noah were so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son, So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour. You do not expect who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made rule over his household to give them food and due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant said in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, and the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites." There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those are stark words. I would suggest there's not a lot of preaching in America going on in these words. But we need to know the day and the hour we're living in. Listen to me for a moment. The foundational truths of our faith do not change generation to generation but the way that we respond to the spirit of God changes there is new wine and if you're an old wineskin you're stuck in your old ways you don't understand that we have to adapt not to culture but to what the spirit of God is doing And God began this, this challenge for me personally this morning with, with just, just actually just one line out of the middle of that. And so I want to go back to Matthew 24, verse 20. Jesus says this, And pray. That your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath seems like an odd thing to say. Pray that your flight. Pray that whether whether you're here like we are now, while the first question is being answered, or you're here. When the second question is being answered, this applies either way. Pray that this doesn't happen in winter or on the Sabbath. And I want to I, I want to take those in reverse order. I want to I want to talk about the Sabbath. The, we know what the Sabbath is. He's He's given instruction to those of us that are reading this. And it applies. Now listen, the reality is nobody knows. Nobody knows. I'm big enough to tell you, I don't know. We we, we could go on for another 500 years. I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't know. Paul was fooled on this matter. Paul, when writing to the church, he said, now listen. When this happens, then we which are alive and remain. He thought he was going to be here. He was only off by a couple thousand years. I'm not, I'm not so, so, so small that I can't tell you. I don't know. I see a lot of this. I see a lot of this in the headlines of our newspapers. I I see a lot of this in people's lives. But in addition to that, I'm feeling very compelled this morning to share this word with you. We don't know but we do know this, that this verse 20 applies. You know, it, uh, us boys were, I know you never did this, but, but, but if we knew Dad was going to be home at 6 o'clock, and when he, told, when he left, he told us to clean our rooms. You know when we started? About 5.45. Right? We were like cleaning tornadoes. You, you, you cooperated with your brother. You hold up the bed. I'll throw the stuff under it. Okay? It's cooperation. It's teamwork. But whether Jesus comes 500 years from now, or whether we, we don't see the end of this summer, here's a truth. You and I are to pray that whenever that time comes, it's not in winter time or on the Sabbath. That's the truth. The Sabbath means two things. First and foremost, the Sabbath is a time of rest. It was instituted by God that on the seventh day we were to rest. We were to take 24 hours of time and and resist with everything within us to do any work. And, and Jesus is saying this, make sure that when your flight happens, you're not resting. Make sure that somehow you are engaged in some meaningful activity for the king. Make sure that you're doing something. Make sure that your hands are on the plow. And you're, you're, you're moving down the road. He doesn't talk about how fast or how much, but he wants us doing something. Don't be sitting back resting. There are days for rest and we we, we need to have those days and there are are times when we need to step aside but we don't step aside to just rest. We step aside to get rejuvenated so that we can go back to work. So I want to tell you something. Don't Be called. Don't die while you're resting in your faith. Be doing something. All of us ought to be doing something. There ought to be some way that we're engaged in furthering the kingdom of God. Second thing that the Sabbath was about was about a time of worship. Listen to me closely for a minute. I don't want to be misunderstood, but listen to me for a moment. Worship is incredibly important. It it unlocks everything. Praise and worship, it it, it releases, it does battle, as Derek was talking about. When when the children of Israel went into battle, God said, Now listen, when you go into battle, here's how I want you arrayed. I want the tribe of Judah to go first. Every time you go into battle, Judah goes first. Well, Judah meets praise. You enter into the battle, you engage the enemy first through worship. The problem we have in some places today is that's where it stops. We, we don't have church services. We have worship services. My wife and I went to a pastoral church and on our first Sunday, I knew we were in trouble. They gathered in our office and this was our first time to meet them and it was the worship team and shook hands. I mean, we're ready to start service and it's just five minutes and I said, I want them in. I want to pray with them and I'm meeting them. Good to meet you. I'm Pastor Rice. We're glad to be here. Really good to meet you guys and And the leader of the worship team, he said, Now listen, I want to tell you something. We're really good. I said, That's that's good. That's good. I'm glad you're really good. He says, we got this thing covered. He said, I want to tell you how good we are. We once went 19 weeks in a row where we didn't have to hear any preaching. He said, That's how good we are. He looked at me like he expected a pat on the back. He said so you can just sit down and relax because you may not have to preach today well you know how that went over with me and i'm thinking you know one of the things they tell you when you first go into church you know if you don't have to stir things up right away don't stir things up right away but i'm thinking how do i do this and i said i said how how many songs do y'all normally sing and he said we just keep going until the spirit of god says stop um, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do this morning. You, pray, you sing, you lead worship, you do everything God puts you in your heart to do. And then I'll preach. It doesn't matter to me whether that's 30 minutes long or three hours long. That's fine. You obey the spirit of God. But when you're done, I will be preaching. I'm called of God to share the heart of God. And unless God tells me we're not preaching, I'm preaching this morning. We never got along. I love it when our worship team calls us into worship. And 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 that is so powerful. But listen, when the children of Israel went into battle, they didn't come against their enemy, and Judah worshiped and praised and and the enemy says, now what? And they say, that's all we got. There was still a battle that had to be fought. Amen? Don't let your flight happen when all you have with God is a worship relationship. There's more than that. There's, there's service to that same God. Amen? Amen? Uh, worship in and of itself is, is is great, but it can't be in and of itself. There, there's more than that. There's no competition between the word and worship. The, the word in, increases our worship. Worship increases our ability to digest the word. They, they work hand in hand. I wouldn't want to go to a church that all you had was preaching. You know, they just quickly go through two or three songs and sit down so we can get to the important stuff. But the important stuff is all of it. If I were to tell my wife, I adore you. Honey, you are awesome. I love you. You're gorgeous. Man, woman, you're awesome. And she says, Um, I'm hungry. You don't have any you don't have any food in the house. Yeah, but man, you're hot, woman. I love you. You are you just make my heart beat. Here's some roses. And somebody write her a poem. She's awesome. Isn't she awesome? And she says, and about the house, we don't have one. We're living on the streets. Yeah, but you're awesome. Wow, you are awesome. She's an awesome wife. Isn't my wife awesome? She is incredible. She said, by the way, these are the only clothes I've had. And I've had them on for months. Yeah, but you're awesome. You make them look awesome. Those army boots, wow. You rock those army boots. There would come a time when she'd say, I I could believe better that you loved me if you gave me something to eat. If you helped me have a house. If you clothed me with something more than your empty words. And Jesus would say the same thing to us. Whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Worship him with abandon. But then go out and do something. Put something behind your words. I'll show you my faith by my works, James says. If all we have is worship." You worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Follow that worship up with works. And then he says, Make sure that your flight is not in winter. Was he talking about January, February, March? Yeah, in Ohio, April, May, early June. Was he talking about seasons on the calendar? Or was he meaning something else? He he gives us a hint at something else. Earlier in verse 12, he said, listen, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Lawlessness. Listen to me for a moment. Lawlessness. That's when laws are being followed. Listen to me for a moment. Man-made laws or God-made laws are not being followed. And that can cause our heart to go cold. Listen to me for a moment. You weren't supposed to be touched that way. That's not only against man's laws. That's against the nature of God. was to cause your heart to grow cold. That was never meant to happen. If life wasn't supposed to go in that order. These things weren't supposed to happen like this. But, but they did. And if we're not careful, we, we focus on those things. We, we focus on the lawlessness, and we forget about our heart. to talk about how wrong it was. It was wrong. We want to talk about how hurt we are. I understand you're being hurt. We want to talk about, I wish it wasn't that way. And I would say to you, I wish it wasn't that way either. But all of that doesn't go back and change anything. instructed in the Word of God to lay aside those weights and those sins. We we can be carrying weight that isn't a sin, it's just a weight. And we were never meant to be carrying it. Jesus said, come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Those weights that weigh us down, those pains those scars that we still carry, the wrongs that have been done to us because somebody didn't follow the laws of God of kindness and love. Somebody may not even follow the laws of man. And we're we're carrying those scars and those hurts. And, 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 and you can't break free of it. And because of that, because you can't forgive, you've grown cold. And Jesus is saying to you and I down through the ages, he was looking in the eyes of the disciples as he talked to them, but he was looking through their eyes into yours. And he's saying to you and I today, don't die cold. Don't let these things come on you and you're cold in your faith. I want to tell you, you and God wrestle out with what cold looks like. But can I tell you some things to think about? If you've got to drag yourself to prayer, if you pray at all, you're probably cold. If you have nobody you're working on to engage them with the love of God, you're probably cold. If you're not testifying and witnessing about what God has done for you in your life, you're probably cold. If you won't bow your head in a restaurant and pray over your food because of what somebody else might think about you, you in reality have made them an idol and you're probably cold. If you have no desire, if... If you've got to drag yourself, if going to assemble with the believers, you just come in and you plop down in a pew and you want the worship team to feed you and you want the pastor to feed you so you can make it through to Wednesday night service, you're probably cold. If going to church and being with believers takes from you, instead it puts into you, you're probably cold. Because the Bible says that as you see That day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That isn't just gathering in the building, that isn't just walking in and plopping down while I'm here. That's gathering. Assembling means there's some connection here. We don't go to heaven alone. There's connection. There's an assembling of ourselves together. I'm listening to John's pain, and I'm sharing with John my pain. I'm praying for John, and I'm here. I'm praying. I'm believing John to pray for me. That's an assembly. Oh, they're getting quiet on me. I love you. I don't want you to die cold. You can't do this cold. We are facing incredible times. I'm not one given to fear. We've been here now almost five years. Listen to me. We are facing incredible times. You can't navigate the days ahead being cold. There needs to be a fire inside of you. And listen, if you're coming to church and you, you you remember that Indiana Jones movie when they got dropped down into the the, the room and all those snakes, and they had the little torch, and it was getting smaller and smaller. And wherever there was light, the snakes would stay away, but when the light got down, the snakes got closer and closer. Listen for, for, listen to me for a moment. We have this church thing all backwards. Too often we're like that. We're, we're, our life becomes that dark little room, and, and they're just standing there staring, looking at that little flame as it's dying out. And the snakes come in and we get to church and Derek and the worship team sing and the flame gets brighter and pastor preaches and the flame gets brighter and then we go out and it gets darker and darker and darker and darker I want to tell you if that's your church experience you, you, you got it all wrong you you, 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 you you have a bright flame and when we get together we put our flames together and it's brighter and then we go home, out and, and our, you know, our flame is now brighter and we carry that flame wherever we go. We're the children of the light. It's a light that shouldn't be hid under a basket. And, and then we, we, we add tinder to it because we witness to somebody. Or we give a word to somebody and our flame brights, flame goes brighter and brighter. And then we come to church and we go, hey, look at this. And we put it together. And our joint flame is even bigger than it was the last time we were together. Because we did something with what we've got. Don't grow cold. Listen to me. If you have to have your pastor to keep your flame going, change something. If you have to have, if you don't feel God unless the worship team's got it going and the pastor preaches the right message, if that's the only time you engage God, make some changes. And here's the change that Jesus said. Pray. Pray. Pray that it doesn't happen while you're resting. Pray that it doesn't happen while your only relationship with God is in worship. When, when we go into worship together as a body, we ought to sense the presence of God. We ought to feel that. I'm okay with feelings, but if that's the only time, you may not have anything yourself. You may just be living on the overflow of somebody else's life. And she didn't believe anything I said. But she'd come. She'd sit in the back. She was she was up to her eyeballs in the occult. And I went back to her one night, one time after service and I hugged her and she said like this, I want you to know I don't believe anything you say. Facial features softened. She goes, But I, I feel something here. I don't feel anywhere else in my life. That's what kept drawing her. It's okay. It's okay to feel that. But if that's all you have is what somebody else spills off, you're probably cold. There are too many. There are too many, like the, the man sick of the palsy in Scripture. You remember the story? He he gathered around the pool of Bethesda, and, and the Bible says that there were times when an angel would come down and, and trouble the waters, and whoever got in first, whoever got in first got healed, but nobody else did. And there were five porches around that place, and that was a horrible looking place. Everybody there had issues. Everybody was diseased or broken in some way. Everybody. And Jesus walked into that mess. He said, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase. Well, why don't you heal? What are you doing sitting here? He He said, have friends that do them right. But I'm sick of this palsy. By the time I get up and I make my way down to the water, somebody else has done got in. I had to struggle for 37 years. The Lord recently spoke this to my heart. I know there are times, I know there are times that when we get something from God, I know, I know, I know it's a process sometimes. Understand that. But there can also be miraculous times where it's just over. The Spirit of God spoke to my heart and told me this that we're living in a time when He's going to be doing quick work in people's hearts. There are too many in the church that are like the man sick with a palsy. He, his problem was somebody else's fault. I, I, I sit here, and I wait, and I wait. And I stare. And here I sit, staring, stuck, stumbling. I wait for that angel. I wait for that day when I'm just, and I see him coming, and I, I get up and I'm, but I got nobody to help me. I've been done wrong. I got nobody to help me, and I'm, but somebody gets in before me, and and there are people here this morning. You're listening to me. So God's still working on me. I've got to get through this. I'm I'm better than I was. I came closer to getting it this time than I've come close in a long time. Don't judge me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how deeply I got hurt. You don't know how that blew me out of the water. Don't you judge me. Empathize with me. Suffer with me. But don't judge me. Some of you think you, you, you're, you're making the other person pay. You, you're, you're making them pay with your palsy. But, but they went on with their life. And for years you've sat here, and I want to ask you something. Who's worth all those years? Who? There's no Preacher. There's no pastor, there's no ex-husband or ex-wife or ex-boyfriend or son or daughter that is worth all of those years. You've been sitting here 37 years with palsy. Who's worth 37 years? Nobody is. the enemy loves to hurt our heart, that we focus them on our palsy. And here's the crazy thing. This guy is explaining to Jesus why he's not healed. Think about that for a moment. Why aren't you healed? Let me explain this to you. I've been hurting a long time. I'm talking a long time, 37 years I've struggled with this. Worse than that, I got nobody. They probably got tired of hearing him complain. I got nobody to help me down. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing Jesus might have been a bit, bit of a smart aleck if he just said, then why are you sitting all the way up here? So I'm asking you that question. Well, what, you, you believe that one day God's going to heal, one day God's going to deliver, one day God's going to fix this. And why are you so far off? I would suggest to you the reason why the first guy in the pool after the angel troubled that is the guy that got healed is he's the one that had the most faith got nearest to the pool. The guy up on the top of the balcony, he's there for the show. That's why Jesus asked this man, will you be made whole? So I I ask you this morning, are you cold? Are you cold this morning? Yourself and worship to him? When was the last time you just couldn't stop praying? When was the last time that you had such passion for somebody who didn't have God that you were willing to lay aside everything else and just Something you didn't want to do because you needed done, and, and you just wanted to honor God with what you were doing. Be you cold? In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to pray. It's the only remedy. It's the only remedy. It's the only remedy that Jesus offered. He didn't say, if, if you're cold, then do this and this and this. Here's the three steps. He, he said, here's the one step pray. He told the church in Laodicea, he said, if you're warm, I, I, I challenge you, buy of me gold tried in the fire. You've got to go to him. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.